Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, go ahead and put a bookmark at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Or my, my bad, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to start here in 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Just as a, just as a reminder, uh, what, we're, what we're going through in the Sunday service area, uh, time is uh, really our ambassadorship. What's that look like? How's that going to work? And how does that affect moments of life and things like that? Uh, one of the things that we started off talking about with that is, is remind ourselves that we have a twofold ministry. One is to warn every man and to teach every man. So that's the twofold ministry that each, each and every one of us have in part. And so then we've gone through talking about those issues and how that's going to work out and how we have that opportunity to be able to, to, to witness to folks and gauge where they are. If they're not saved, what do we do? Present them the gospel. If they are saved, what do we need to do? Present them the gospel just in case. And then we can move on and bring both to the knowledge of the truth. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, right? That's that issue. Now, some of the things we talked about was there are four divine operating assets that God has given us. The written word, the indwelling spirit, uh, pastors and teachers, uh, those that choose to be a part of that. And then most importantly, the local church. Uh, and we talked about the last time about that issue of the sanctification process, that initial sanctification, that progressive sanctification, us coming to the knowledge of the truth, and then that ultimate sanctification, uh, the moment that we are caught up to be with him. And all the junk that we've had, that we've built up, goes away, right? And we talked about the building in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We talked about that this morning in, in, in the Sunday school hour. And uh, <clears throat> we want to be, we want to take heed how we build there upon that foundation that we've been given. Now, what we're going to move into is warning and teaching, not just unsaved folks, but also uh, saved folks, specifically those within local assembly aspect. But notice here, we'll start here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> we'll start here in verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And if I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ... I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow it to be the final issue in our life and the final authority in our thinking that uh, we can be exactly what your word uh, is designed to produce, that it might be to your glory and honor. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, one of the first things that we notice here is there's four types of folks that we're going to be dealing with. The first one that we see there in chapter 2, verse 14 is what? Natural man. Who's that? It's an unsaved person. Somebody that's never come to the knowledge of the truth. They've never been saved. They don't know anything. 
what is it that this verse tells this about tells us about them the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of god so when we talk to somebody that's unsaved we can't have a conversation with them about right division but that's normally what we do is you got to learn how to rightly divide have you ever heard of Paul? Paul's your apostle. All that stuff. We can't say, okay, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's talk about time past, but now and ages to come. Because what are they going to do? They're not going to be able to receive any of it. So where do we need to start with a natural person? Gospel. Now, the interesting thing is we talked about this before. What do we know about an unsaved natural person is their spirit is dead, their soul is darkened, and their body is depraved. What happens is... God's word brings what? Life and light. How do you get a dead person to not, no longer be dead? You got to give them the word of light. That life is what God has placed his life in his word. And the only way that you can get to a natural man is you got to be able to get what? You got to get the verses in front of them. They've got to know who they are. They've got to know that they're a natural person you know how many people I've ran across throughout the years that's, that I've read the Bible from cover to cover 13, 14, 15, 18 times. Every day of my life I've read through and I never understand it. That's why. Now, when we take a look at this, notice what happens with this. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he, what? Know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned, there has to be something that takes place with that natural man before they can even come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we start off and we, we went through the evangelism training stuff. We've got to be able to be able we've got to be able to present the gospel in a clear and concise way every single time. Had a lady come to me a few weeks ago in, at school. Uh, another teacher there, she came up and she says, "How long does it take you to present the gospel?" I said, three verses." And we all know what those three verses are, right? Because we went through the training. Romans 3, 23, 24, and 25. That's all you need. You get those three verses. Romans 3, 23 says what? All of sin comes short of the glory of God. That's, that's their problem is they've come short of the glory of God. There is nothing that they can produce here to get salvation. Romans 3, 24 says what? God's going to give you Christ's righteousness if you trust in him. Why? Because of the faith of Christ. God says, here's your problem, Romans 3.23. Here's the solution, Romans 3.24. Romans 3.25, God says, agree with what I say about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It takes you three verses. That's it. So it doesn't take a long dissertation. You don't have to go and show, well, you know, you got to have a Bible. That, don't worry about that stuff yet. Get the gospel out first. That person right there is not going to care about what version of the Bible you have. Because it's all foolishness to them. They look at it all and say, well, they're all the different. They're all, they're all, they all can't say the same thing. So they're not going to pay attention to what you're saying about that. So don't start there. <laughs> don't start with the right division. Now here, technically, the issue is when you present the gospel the right way, are you really presenting dispensational truth? Yes. But you don't have to start off and say, Right division, here's the chart, let me draw it out. But oftentimes we go to that because we've not, we've not 
fully trusted in the, the process of just reading the verses. We try to go and do some other things. And I know there's, there's guys, I, I'll watch them and I'll listen to them. We, we get this on Pal Talk and a uh, person comes in and they're, they're saying stuff and we're like, start with the gospel. This guy's like, who's your apostle? I'm like, no, don't, don't start there. Priority. We got to get the gospel first. Then guess what? Who wrote that? Who wrote that? Paul. Now we can start talking about stuff after they've trusted the gospel. Because they're not going to understand that stuff anyway. They can't know it because they're spiritually discerned. Verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. So that tells us what? There's a person that is spiritual. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Have you ever stopped and thought about that verse? We have access to the mind of Christ. How Christ thought about things in his life. How did he think about things in his life? We've gone through this before. Matthew chapter 4, Satan shows up, says, I'm going to give you all this stuff. What's Christ say? It is written and he quotes a verse. That's how Christ lived his life is in complete, total responsibility. Huh? That's the word I was looking for. Responsibility and obedience to God's word. He looked at the word and said, that's the issue. Nothing else. He didn't look to a religious system. He didn't look to some sort of program. He said, it is written. Here's the verse. This is what the verse says. Anytime somebody come up against him, what did he say? Have you never read? And what's the issue there? The scriptures. Jesus Christ, all the way through his life, that's how he lived his life. He goes to the cross. On the cross, what's he thinking about on the cross? There's a verse that says, I'm supposed to drink water that's with vinegar. And what's he say? I thirst. Why? So the verse would be fulfilled. He's on the cross going through the things that he's going through, not just the natural physical pain but also he's going through that spiritual pain of being separated from the father and he says what this verse needs to be fulfilled his mind is strictly and totally dependent upon what the spirit says in the scriptures that's the trinity working together that's amazing to stop and think about we have the mind of christ we have the opportunity to think through life issues the same way he does. The difference is, is what? He is the word. We don't have it all stored up in us yet. That's the difference. He knew it. He was there when it was written. <laughs> he was part of it. He knows that. But we have access to it. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? carnal even as to what babes I have fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto you were not able to bear it neither yet now are ye able notice ye are yet carnal for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? 
Now, we've said this before. If you're carnal, what are you going to have in your life is what? Envying and strife and divisions. Why is a person lived that way? Take a look at that as we go through here. He says, are you not carnal and walk is what? He says, you're walking this way right here. He says, you're walking this, even though they're saved, right? They're saved, but they're walking like this. They're a person that you come up to and you'd be shocked if they said, I trusted the gospel <laughs> just because of the way that they act. And you're like, but they give a clear testimony. All right, well, you're saved. Now I know where you are. Now I know how to talk to you and deal with you and bring you to the knowledge of the truth. Now, again, this is based off stuff we talked about a couple of weeks ago. What do we know? Our responsibility and authority is to be able to talk to one another that way. And to say, hey, have you ever looked at this verse for this problem? And each one of us would have to be what? Willing to say, I'm going to listen to what you say. That's going to be tough. Right? But we see those things. So here you've got these, these issues. First Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 5. <clears throat> Notice here, verse 14. What do we know about the folks in Thessalonica? In a little note that I put off to the side of First Thessalonians, it says the model church. When you look at that model church, what are they doing? Notice, flip back to chapter 1 real quick. <clears throat> I want you to think about, think about these things as we go through here. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 1. Notice here in verse 3. Paul is praying for the folks here in Thessalonica. And notice he says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. You remember, you remember when we look at this, they have what? The work of faith and the labor of love and the patience of hope. Faith, love, and hope. They have all three of those things operating within their midst. You can go look at this. Notice verse 8. <clears throat> he says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we, we need not to speak anything. You know what he's telling them? Folks in Thessalonica, there are people in Macedonia and Achaia and all over the place that knows what you believe. You ever thought about that? Until a few weeks ago, Mark didn't even know we existed. We don't even, we don't even have people in Frankfurt that know what we believe. But here you've got the folks in Thessalonica. He says, folks in Macedonia and Achaia and all over the place knows everything about you. Have you ever thought about how powerful that is? That church over in Thessalonica, they know what they're doing. That's what people knew. He said, we, didn't have, we don't have to tell anybody about what you're doing because everybody knows what you're doing. 
They understand the faith that you have, what you believe. Verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. There you've got what? You've got faith because they're believing, they changed their mind, love and the fact that they're living and serving the true God. In verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. That's what? That's the hope. That's what we're waiting for. You see that again. Faith, love, and hope working through the folks there in Thessalonica. So when you come to the folks in Thessalonica, the one thing that we should think about is if you want a church to look like something, here's one to go look at. Now what happens is somebody comes along and says, you've missed the resurrection. In fact, they even went so far, not just to say you missed the resurrection, but people actually wrote letters to them, addressed it as Paul, saying you've missed the resurrection. And you read in chapters in 2 Thessalonians, you find out they have faith and love and they've lost their hope because they believe something from somebody else that took that away. Now, you stop and think what we talked about in the last session, what we talked about in Matthew chapter 12. Satan wants to get you to what? Not act and live the way that God's designed you to act and live. If he can prevent you from knowing who you are in Christ, he can prevent you from being who you are in Christ. And that's exactly what was happening here. It went so far that the people were teaching, you missed it, to we're going to write a letter and say it's from Paul saying you missed it. And they believed it. Why not? I mean, they're, he's their apostle. So then Paul writes 2 Thessalonians and says, I want to remind you, you, are, you still have the hope. You've not missed it. That's how, that's how much he cared for that church. And fortunately, we have, a, we have a copy of it today. Now, you look at that over in chapter 5. <clears throat> keep, keep these things in mind. He's writing to saved individuals who we look at and say, this is... A model church. Um, let's start here in verse 11. <clears throat> well, verse 10. Talking about Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now that should remind us of what? Romans chapter 6. We're raised to live with Christ. Verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Notice, I love this. Even as also ye do. <laughs> He's saying what? Just continue doing what you're doing. I know that you comfort and edify one another. Just keep doing it. Verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in the love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Here's what I want us to get to. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Be patient toward who? All men. Now, when you take a look at that, Paul's talking to a group of people that would be there, right? And he says what? Exhort you, brethren, warn them that are what? Unruly. It's your natural man. Then he says what? Comfort the feeble-minded. Now, when you take a look at this, this is what's interesting. He says, comfort the feeble-minded. Who's that? 
We'll talk about why they're feeble-minded in a moment. And support the who? The weak. This person doesn't know anything yet, so what do you need to do? Teach them and admonish them. This person knows something, but they act against who they are. We'll talk about that today. They're feeble-minded. They've got the right stuff, but they're not trusting what they know. They're actually going back to that old system. Paul calls it opposing themselves. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through. But notice, here, here's what we've got. So here you've got, <clears throat> here we've got the natural man, the unsaved man, those that are weak. You've got the babes in Christ, those, they're unruly. Babes in Christ are weak. First thing we should think of there is what? Romans chapter 14. So then this person, according to Romans chapter 14, would be what? The strong. How's a strong brother and a weak brother supposed to act toward each other? Should the strong brother come up and say, you don't know anything, you need to get your life straight, and I want to show you how to, and I want to beat you over the head, here it is. No, he says receive. But not to what? Doubtful disputations. It's arguments and stuff like that that just creates doubt in a babe. To the point that they what? I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. Now the problem is, who goes to a person that way is a carnal, feeble-minded believer. They're the ones that's beating up on the babe, saying, here's what's interesting. Every church has those people right there in them. Every one of them. Unfortunately, sometimes that guy stands up here <laughs> or that guy stands up here or this guy stands up here. Would to God that it would be this person that stands up here. And it's all over the world. And then what happens is everybody says, oh, you're a Christian, so you're just like so-and-so. You're lumped in. And they say, you automatically believe something that I disagree with because you're a Christian. And you're like, hold up. <laughs> Let's talk. Because more than likely, it's that type of person that's coming to you saying that stuff. Right? You know, a few months ago, we had a, a lady contact us, and I said, this lady's been hurt by church. And so we've reached out to her, and I gave Randy her information. He asked for it. Um, she lives in Lexington. I've not heard anything from her. I keep reaching out, but I, know, I never hear anything back from her. But she was hurt by church. And it's because one of those three are doing what they're doing. And she's hurt by those three people. And she just associates that hurt with every church. I mean, we think about those things. What I want us, what I want us to be able to, to, to know and understand as we start working together. And as Paul says here in verse 11 <clears throat> or verse 10, Talking about Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So that wake or sleep is what? Whether you're alive or dead. 
how, how wonderful is it to know that even if you die, you live with him? <laughs> People's like, well, if, well, if somebody busts through the back door and, and shoots you up, I get to go to glory. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Worst you can do to me is send me to heaven early. It's the worst you can do to me. Can you imagine going out in a world with that mentality every single day of life? Life can't get you down if you know that no matter what, the worst that can possibly happen, I get to go be with my Lord. Kind of a crazy way to think about it sometimes, but that's what it is. But he says what? Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also as ye do. So as we're here together, what's our goal? Is to be able to comfort one another and to edify one another. We gather to edify and we scatter to testify and to preach the gospel, right? Now, <clears throat> we take a look at those things. Those are those things that I want us to make sure that we see. So what I want us to look at, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And what naturally comes about is what we're going to be going over. The next couple cards, I don't know how long it'll take us. The next couple of cards are dealing with this same kind of issue. Uh, the first one that we're going to be dealing with is those that oppose themselves. And how do we take care of that? And I heard this, I heard this, this phrase, and I like this phrase. Um, some of you all may have heard it before. How is it that you how is it that you talk to a believer who's opposing themselves? It's not a confrontation, but it's a carefrontation. You confront them in a caring way. And I like that word. Because that's this right here. That's comforting one another and, and edifying one another. So we'll take a look at that. The whole goal behind that and the, what motivates us is the grace motiva motivation. We'll talk about that. And then what grace produces. So that's the whole series, just so you kind of know where we're going. Um, so today we're going to be dealing with this. Notice here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. <clears throat> now we command you, brethren... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye have received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. You remember in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 where he says, You're a witness, God is a witness also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And then you get down to verse 13, it says, God's word is going to produce that exact same thing in you. He's just reminding them again here. You yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. He says, you all know that I'm your pattern. And you saw how God's word worked through me. And he says, let God's word work through you. Verse 8, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. Now, when you, when you look at that, 
what's interesting, he's saying, we're going to do this not to make money. And it's not because we don't have power. He was an apostle. <laughs> he says what? But to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. So you take a look at that in sample, and he says, he, you, you notice there's, this, there's a brother that what? Walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which ye have received of us. Now, that's, that's one of those things we don't have here, but I know one day we may. So what I want us to be able to do, the whole, the whole goal you know, when we started off going through Titus, Titus is, here's how you start a church. We went through Titus years ago. Now we're going through 1 Timothy, which is what? Here's how you rule in a church. Here's how it's supposed to work. So we're, That's why we're doing what we're doing. This is what? I want us to be prepared for if this happens one day. Because what do we know is going to happen? That person, that person, or that person is going to walk through the door. And what are we going to have to do? We're going to have to be equipped to deal with that. But here's the other part. This also equips it to deal with it ourselves. Because all of us aren't here. As much as we want to be thinking that we are, we're, none of us are here yet. So then, that, that how we work through those things, that's what I want to One of the things I heard Brother Jordan say a few years ago, and he said it this past weekend, too. Reminded me of this. <clears throat> if you're sitting down when it comes time to stand, you're not going to be able to stand. So with that, I would say, if we're not equipped to deal with this now, when it does happen, we're not going to be equipped to deal with it then. We're going to be behind. And as I've always said, everything we do, there's a reason, a purpose behind it to, to do that. So that's what I want us to be able to do. Until this happens, we need to become equipped with it so that we know how to deal with it, not just with somebody else, but with ourselves as well. Because our goal is to move from this to this. We don't want that, though, but that will happen to a lot of us. It's happened to me. I'll stand up here before you and tell you. I've been there before, but I learned something, and I moved away from it. And it's allowing God's word to actually do that. So, for instance, go real quick. Uh, well, so somebody that opposes themselves, that's this person here. They know the doctrine, but they're not trusting the doctrine. They have a head knowledge of it, but they've not actually believed it to where it would actually produce in them. And they actually, they, they know it, but they don't even believe it. And that's why, that's why I want us to be able to see this because I would like all of us to be able to say, where are we? And be honest with ourselves and say, am I possibly feeble-minded? And really the feeble-minded is what? You're thinking the wrong way about yourself. Saved person in a Baptist church, they know they're saved. They think they're Israel. That's this right here. 
Pentecostal stuff I grew up in, Kenneth Clover stuff I grew up in, that's this. They don't know who they are in Christ. They're actually opposing who they actually are. Yeah. Yeah, and you might know, hey, I'm, I have peace with God, but I'm not believing it to live in my life. That's that same issue. You're opposing who you are. Sometimes it's we don't know that we are who we are. And a lot of that is churches hide it, but then also we don't get in the book and find out ourselves. And this past weekend, one of the things I'd mentioned, I can't remember if I said it here or not, but one of the things I mentioned is, you know, if, if, we, ask, if we ask a question and we get a satisfying answer, should we ever ask that question again? Or should we be able to go back and study it and it become our thing to where we not just know it, but we actually believe it and we don't need to ask that question, but we can actually teach other people that same answer. You know, in Hebrews 5, when he talks about you have need, you should be teaching, but you have, you have to have milk because you're still stuck on milk. You should be teaching by now. You know, you, you, you think about those things. That's kind of where we're going, right? How, how are we thinking are we thinking properly? Are we thinking that we are who God says we are, or do we think that we're something else? Also, inner man. Yep, absolutely. Everything, everything we're doing is dealing with inner man. These two places right here, your soul, your spirit, and your soul. That's what we deal with, right? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when somebody talks, we can find out what their heart is, what they actually believe. Not what they know, but what they believe, right? And you can get a real good idea. You can gauge them, figure out where this person is. Well, this person's here. I know, I know what I need to do to take them to whatever, right? And it's how do we deal with this inner man? Each one of us have one. How do we deal with it? ourselves and then how can we help others is in first corinthians he talks about i don't want to i want to be a help of your joy i don't want to have dominion over your faith i don't want to have dominion over your faith but i want to be a help of your joy i want to be able to comfort you and i want to be able to help you out and i would hope that you all would do the same for me as well and that's one of the things i've said before <clears throat> i'm not special because i'm standing up here i just i want to teach information i want to preach information that's the only difference the desire to do it you might have the desire to do it let me know but the issue is is each and every one of us we have that if we have that opportunity to help one another to edify one another and the whole issue in philippians chapter 2 is i want to esteem you better than myself and each one of us have that same thought process that I'm going to esteem others better than me. I'm more interested in your edification than my own. And then you should do the same thing for me. And what happens then is what? If we're all doing that in one accord, as Philippians, Paul's telling the folks in Philippi to do, what would happen if all of us we're living those verses, not just knowing them, but actually believing them and then putting it into action with one another. Could you imagine what a church can do? It would look just like the folks in Thessalonica. 
you stop and you think about that. That means it's possible. But not because we're doing stuff to get there. We're just, we're going to believe the verses. And let the word work through us and produce that. And the word's going to say what? Hey, so-and-so is lacking. Let's go talk to him. And you're not going to verbally hear it, but you read the verses like, I need to go comfort. I need to go edify. And that's what we do. And so then when it comes time when somebody walks through the door and acts like this, each one of us can say, hey, this person needs X, Y, and Z. Problem is, if we don't know what X, Y, and Z is, then we're all, <laughs> we're all here. And then you end up with the folks in Corinth. That's, it. That's what they were dealing with. They are going around saying, look at all the, you know, hostile shandas and all that stuff. They're like, I'm speaking in tongues, water and baptizing. But what's it get them? Absolutely nothing. Right? <clears throat> now, what? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the goal is that each one of us help each other out with that struggle. Yeah. And the issue is we're not all going to be spiritual. We're all going to be different places. But you might be spiritual somewhere where I might be carnal or a babe. Or vice versa. And the goal isn't I'm better than you because I'm... But it's what? I'm going to come alongside you and build you up and help you out. Here's the verses. Go through the verses. I found comfort in this situation with this verse. Not, hey, have you thought about listening to so-and-so? Go to the verse, right, and be able to work together with it. We want everybody to be on different playing, playing fields, if you will, because each one of us should be able to what? Help the other out when we need them. The body of Christ working together. Yeah, we're not all hands. We're not all eyes. That means somebody's got to see for you. It means somebody's got to touch for you. It means somebody's got to hear for you. It means somebody's got to walk with you. That's that unity that he's talking about. And the only way you get unity, doctrine creates unity, always. So if we're all if we're all believing, believing the right stuff, what's it going to produce? First Thessalonians. And we'll, hopefully we'll see that. Go to Galatians chapter 4. <clears throat> That's why I said, like, when, when, we're going, when we're going through this stuff, and I said, this is, this is one of those series that it's important for us to be here because I want us all to hear this. Some of us aren't going to get it all yet. I'm fine with that. Some of us are going to be like, I don't know, this is over my head. That's fine. Some of us are going to be like, yeah, I know this. We're good. You know, show me, show me who to go talk to, right? And we can work together to do that. Yeah. No, I know. But that's the goal, right? Yeah, that we all come together. Yeah. So when, when he talks about it in Ephesians, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but he's talking about that in Ephesians the purpose of meeting together is what for the perfecting of the saints that doesn't mean everybody's perfect but it's we're perfecting it's a process well what do perfect saints do they do the work of the ministry 
That's what it is. And the, and the fact that we're all in different places, that's the best part. Galatians chapter 4. Notice this. You brought up the folks in Galatia a minute ago. He says what? You started off the right way, but you've fallen from grace. And everybody uses that verse to what? You lost your salvation. That's not what that verse says at all. It says, you've started in grace, but you've gone to the law and you've fallen away from grace because grace is the issue. Grace is the motivator. Law produces death. Grace produces life. If you want to live Christ's life now, go to grace. Find out who you are. Let his word work through you to produce that life. And then what happens? Well, they fail. Notice in chapter 4, verse 19. My little children. Now, where do you think Paul thinks these guys are? Right there. He says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Now, you think about that. That's that issue of what? Having Christ be formed in you. You remember earlier in the, in the, the, the Sunday school area, we're talking about the form of sound doctrine, the form of sound words. There's a form to it. If we don't go by the blueprint, what's going to happen to our structure? It's going to fall. God gives us his blueprint. Romans 16, 25 and 26. My gospel, preaching of Jesus Christ according to Revelation of the mystery, and the scripture of the prophets. What's he saying? Get in the book. His goal is to what? To have Christ formed where? In you. Our inner man. That's the issue. Religion says what? Look at what the body produces. That'll tell us where you are. No. Listen to what somebody says. You'll know where they are. It'll tell you every single time. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> I want you to notice this as well. The folks in Colossae, verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. What does the folks in Colossae have? Faith, love, and hope. Their problem is, and what Paul deals with them in Colossians is what? You're not holding the head right. Well, who's the head? Christ. There's something that they're missing that he's got to fix, but what do they have is faith, love, and hope. They have those three things working in Colossae. Notice. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you, as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit? What's the word of the truth of the gospel going to bring forth? Fruit. You performing doesn't pr produce fruit. It produces dead fruits, what it is. You ever bitten into a bad apple? It's not good. If you have bad fruit, what's going to produce good fruit? You doing stuff. No, the word or the truth of the gospel. Notice what he says in, at the end of verse 5. 
whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also where? In you. Where is it producing is in you, your spirit and your soul. Where's that fruit going to show up now? Since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow, or fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto, unto us your love in the spirit. For this cause, now Paul, Paul starts a prayer for the folks at Colossae. He says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, about the stuff he just brought up in the, first, the other verses that we just read, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled. Now remember, when we talked about filled with the Holy Spirit the last time, this word filled is what? To be gripped by it. To allow the word to take hold of your life and grasp and control it and say, I'm going to live my life the same way Christ did, the same way that Paul did, by allowing his word to be the thing that I trust in. Not myself, because what's myself going to get? Death. What's his word going to produce? Life. His goal, his desire for them is that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now you notice there's three things there, hopefully, right? Knowledge, wisdom, spiritual understanding. Now, we've talked about this. <clears throat> You've got knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. A little bit later on, Paul talks about prudence. He says that in Ephesians. Knowledge is, I know some stuff. Understanding is, I believe the stuff that I know. Wisdom is, I know how to use the stuff that I believe. Prudence is, I know how to use the stuff that I believe at the right time. That's the issue. Some of us might just be here, and that's okay. Praise the Lord. Some of us might be able to take that knowledge and do something with it. Praise the Lord. If you want to know how to respond to life the right way, we got to take what we know, believe it, put it in action, and do it at the right time. I've often, I've often put that in terms of, I know, <clears throat> I know how a guitar works. You got chords on your, if you're right hand, chords on your right hand, your left hand, and you strum with your right or your pick with your right. I know how that works. I don't understand how to do that though. Because I can't play a guitar. I've got a 12-string at home from my dad. I'd love to play it. Don't know how. I know how it works, but I don't understand how to do that. How to get my fingers. And it's beautiful when I hear other people play it. Wisdom says, I know how to use that properly. I can go play, I can go play a song at a funeral if I knew how to use it. Prudence says, you don't play some rock song at a funeral, right? 
that's that's that that's the illustration I want you to think. I know some stuff. I've believed some stuff that produces wisdom here, and then prudence is I'm doing that stuff at the right time. Now, <clears throat> that's what Paul's goal is for these folks, and also for us by extension. Why? Verse ten. That here's the purpose. You might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now you look at that. That's, that's Paul's goal. That's the Holy Spirit's goal. And he's let us know through the scriptures, this is what I want you all to be. We're not all there yet. I know that. I'm not. Our goal is that we can do that together as a group. And so then when we start seeing that stuff produce, here's the thing. <clears throat> And I'll just say this real quick. <coughs> if anybody ever tells you you have to produce something on your own to get something, stop listening to them. I don't care what that something is, unless it's believing. What is the only thing you can do without doing something is believe. If anybody ever says you've got to do X, to get why, turn off the ear. That's the itching ear stuff that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy. Because people want to go and listen to that stuff and say, oh, I can go do that. I can go do this. <clears throat> That's anybody. Anybody that you ever come across and says, you don't have this until you do this. Stop listening to them. Just throw that out there. If it's anything other than just believe the verses. If they say you got to do something other than believe the verses. That's what I've done. I stopped listening to a bunch of people that said go do stuff. Life's been a lot better. It does. But I mean, you look at that <clears throat> when somebody comes along and says, hey, you got to do whatever or you don't have this you need to do this to get it if it's anything other than just go believe the verses stop paying attention to them throw that out there for everybody because i'll tell you my life's been a whole lot more peaceful since i stopped since i stopped doing that because inner man this word the Spirit will produce in you what He wants to produce in you by you believing it. Can we prevent that from happening? Yes. And it's usually because somebody says, all right, now you, you don't have everything. You need to get this to, in order to get that. And they'll give you something to do. Guarantee it. 100% of the time. So, <clears throat> what I want to do next time is that clock moves way too fast. What I want to do next time, we're going to go back and look at Eve, and I want us to see her as, and Adam's the same way, 
<clears throat> how not to react to what God's doing. We've already talked about Christ, how he did. But then I want to, what I want us to do, we'll finish up real quick. Just throw this verse out here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter seven. I just want to I want to put this out here. How is it that we deal with any of these issues? <clears throat> chapter seven, verse one. I'm not going to read all this because it's the first 12, uh, pretty much the whole, ver whole chapter. But Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Question, how are you going to, cl how are you going to cleanse yourselves of filthiness and flesh and spirit? Renew your mind. Just believe the verses. <laughs> Just believe the verses. You don't have to do something to do that. Just believe the verses. Verse 2, receive us, we have wronged no man, we have corrupted no man, we have defrauded no man. I would to God that that could be a statement that we could say at this church, that we have wronged no man, corrupted no man, and defrauded no man. That's our goal. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech toward you, Great is my glorying of, your, of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we came into Macedonia, our flesh was, had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he, told, uh, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance that ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, I'm going to stop there. Read that chapter with Second Timothy chapter 2 in mind, with the stuff that we're talking about here in mind, those that oppose themselves. Think about how he's going to tell us, here's how, you, here's how you deal with this stuff. And it's not just, you know, it's a happy-go-lucky, sunshiny day type stuff. It's not a, well, it's just positive thinking. No, it's not. This is just trusting what God's Word says and allow it to produce in you what he's designed it to produce. Now, <clears throat> we'll stop there. <clears throat>